Hi, this is Jovi. And this is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Bed Crime Crime Stories. Stories. It's a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is officially 2023. Yes. Start of a fresh new year, clean slate. Mm-hmm. Turn that chapter, baby. Yup. And if you're if you're one of those people that actually follows through with your New Year's resolutions, I hope you're ready. I hope you do well. Mm-hmm. I don't make them for myself anymore because I Neither think I do I. a total of a week, same. and then I'm like mm, done. <laughs> same, 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 same. Well, that was like we were up at my sister's yesterday doing something at her house, and I said something about making a cocktail or something like that, and. Uh, my boyfriend was like, yeah, 2023, you're going to learn how to be a uh, bartender. I'm like, that was actually my goal for 2022. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we'll try again next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because I bought you the whole fancy yeah. set. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How, how far did you get with that? Not very far at all. <laughs> Not very far at all. I even got a like um, cocktail book where like Ooh. each cocktail is themed for like serial killers and stuff mm-hmm. like it was very like thematic mm-hmm. and i was all ready to become a mixologist by the end of the year and nothing yeah the whole thing is is it's a very expensive hobby uh, yeah because yes. alcohol is not cheap not at all and i'm not um i'm somewhat picky about my liquor yes so like for example now obviously again you guys all know this we record ahead of time so as of, as of right now while we are talking it's still technically not new year's yet tomorrow's new year's eve correct and i decided i was going to make myself martinis for new year's eve that was oh, going to be my cool. cocktail for the holiday okay so today my boyfriend was going out to the store to pick up last minute odds and ends and i said to him i said can you please pick me up some more vodka because i know i'm running a little low on my gray goose mm-hmm. and he's like yeah but we have tito's i'm like i'm not making a vodka martini with tito's now tito's is great for like a mixed drink yeah but i'm not making a martini with tito's no sorry like and not i'm not like a snob but i'm sorry when you're having a martini it needs to be something fairly high shelf because that's Correct. all you're drinking is fucking icy vodka that's right it is it needs to taste good agreed and it's like you know what you like like i'm sure there are people that like tito's yeah in their martini that's fine Mm -hmm. you just happen to have good taste (laughs) i have a i have a very refined vodka palette you know yes now again there's always tito's in my house because it's good vodka it's just not like drink it straight vodka in my opinion for me i agree yeah Again, everybody has everybody has their um, vodka of choice. Exactly. So. And then and he came okay. home with it. And I go, ooh, blame it on the goose. Got you feeling loose. Wow. I can't. I can't. You're ridiculous. I can't. I, <laughs> I can't look at Grey Goose without thinking about the Backstreet Cruise. Mm-hmm. Like it's just an instant nostalgia trip for me. Same. 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 Well, whatever I can remember of it anyway, because I know we were too. very drunk. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is a haze. Mm-hmm. I did want to warn everybody, though, like I said, it's just before New Year's. For some reason, my neighbor decided that tonight's the night he's going to shut off fireworks. Lovely. So if you hear banging in the background or booming in the background, it's likely my next door neighbor deciding that tonight is the Mm. night he's going to get festive for the new Mm -hmm. year. So just Mm -hmm. just a warning and FYI. Maybe he wants to be different and he wants to be the only person celebrating New Year's tonight 
Maybe. And then that way, when it is actually New Year's, he'd be like, oh, we sold it. Like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to sleep through that shit. How's that? <laughs> well, we have a very important true crime headline. Oh, yes. It is breaking news as of today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you guys are super into following the true crime news and all that fun stuff, you probably know that what happened on the 30th of December. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that a man has been charged with the murders of those four Idaho college students mm-hmm. from the that's, university of Idaho. That's yeah. exciting. That's, that's good news. It's very exciting. Um, the arrest comes weeks of spec after weeks of speculation around the killings of the university of Idaho students who were stabbed to death. And what officials say was a targeted attack attack Mm -hmm. so the article that i pulled here is from buzzfeed news it was um updated just two hours ago today's again the 30th of december Mm -hmm. um it is 7 30 in the evening so this is current as a 5 30 in the evening um so yes this person named brian koberger was arrested in pennsylvania he's he was actually in uh the poconos of pennsylvania Hmm. so i don't know if he was like on vacay or if there was like family there something like that for for the holidays yeah Mm -hmm. and that's where he was arrested so he is expected to appear in court in pennsylvania on tuesday for his extradition hearing to get go back to idaho um now i've heard the town two different ways i've heard moscow police and i've also or moscow and i've heard moscow mm-hmm. so i'm gonna mm-hmm. go moscow because we all know moscow is in russia, russia. Mm-hmm. so we're gonna say moscow <laughs> um so moscow police chief james fry said you know no arrest will ever bring back these young students however we do believe that justice will be found through the judicial process um there's not a lot of detail yet okay. as far as what brought them to this dude like yeah. what was it that was the thing that was like oh he's the, the guy the deal. Yeah. yeah 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 he's but interestingly enough he is a phd student studying uh criminology criminal justice and criminology really yeah huh so it's just it's just very interesting he's he's 28 he's 28 dude looks like he's at least 48 (laughs) um but i don't think it's i a lot of people that i've been seeing making comments and stuff on stories are like oh yeah he's a criminal justice uh major that's so weird i'm like is it Mm. Mm -mm. is it Mm -mm. i'm gonna say it's not no i feel like that's very common now yeah or just like you know obviously he's smart enough he's smart enough to get into a doctorate program so he's yeah. a p he's a phd student so he's smart enough to get himself all the way up to a doctorate program is it one of those things of he's always had this kind of dormant inside of him and this is the way that he maybe would be, think that he'd be able to kind of commit the perfect crime right right i mean we don't i'm sure we'll find out i'm sure uh-huh. that'll all get pieced together um as it becomes available Mm-hmm. that's crazy. um yeah so fry said the department received more than nineteen thousand tips and conducted more than 300 interviews during the investigation he said investigators are still looking for the murder weapon but they had located a hyundai elantra hmm. so earlier moscow moscow police asked the public for information about a white elantra that was near the residence around the time of the killings hmm. um and 
I had read, it's not in this article, I had read that a white Hyundai Elantra was found in the driveway of this house in the Poconos where he was found. Oh, look at that. So, um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's a heck of a lot more than just his Hyundai Elantra oh, that I'm tied sure. him to the crime. I'm but, sure. Um, yeah, so obviously in the coming days, once a official like affidavit is released as far as what the terms of his arrest mm-hmm. um, are, we'll probably get a little bit more detail about, like I said, the investigation itself, what led us to this Brian Kuhnberger right. bro. Yes. Yes. So yeah, breaking news well, and damn. still breaking, still unfolding. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be uh, learning On a lot more that. about that soon. Yeah. And, you know, stay tuned <laughs> to our, probably our Instagram for yeah. more information on that, because by the time we tell you it's three weeks later and you're like, yeah, we, 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 we already that. know. Yeah. yeah. Actually, probably by the time you're listening to this, you have way more information than we have right now. Yes. And by the time this is posted, it's only a handful of days away. It's not even a full week away. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's that's where we're at in true crime land. Well, damn. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that update. I appreciate it. That was our true crime headline. I realized I didn't do the official. No, you didn't. Um you're slacking. Jingle. You're absolutely slacking. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Well, uh Jovi. Yes. Uh, you are going to be telling our bed crime story this evening. I am. So I'm going to turn things over to you so uh, you can tell us the tale. Yay. Well, thank you. Thank you You're for welcome. the lovely introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. So I am still trying to do the lesser known of the true crime stories mm-hmm. um, because it's fun to me, you know, because mm-hmm. it's stories that I haven't heard before. Right. And it's 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 just exciting. Um, I mean, the crime isn't exciting. Just learning about new cases is what's Correct. exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight I am going to be telling you all the story of John Haig, the acid bath murderer. Yeah. yeah. It's um, not a good title to have. N- no, no. Um, <sighs> it's gross. But my sources... For today is good old Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. All that is interesting because that's my jam. Those I are love two it. Of, those are two of my references for my story too. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> um, Murderpedia. I actually mm-hmm. got a good amount of stuff on uh, Murderpedia because this is an older case. Sometimes Murderpedia really comes through. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, they're either really good or or Not it's just great. Wikipedia copied and pasted. Correct. Yep. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and also crimeandinvestigation.co.uk. Mm-hmm. So this is a story from overseas. From across the pond. From across the pond. Um, that was a pound. really, really bad. Across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't pretend to do accents because yeah. <laughs> I butcher them real bad. Real bad. Real bad. All right, so uh, let's jump right into this douchebag. Mm-hmm. John George Haig was born July 24th, 1909 in, this is an old one. I love old crimes. I know. <laughs> I am so excited. When you said that date, I, I just got real excited. Well, it's I like- sat straight the fuck up in my chair. <laughs> she did. She did. And just got real excited. Okay, she, go ahead. Sorry. She really did. No, no, it's okay. This is actually, I, I don't. 
I don't hate older crimes. I just mm-hmm. like ones that are like from the sixties on. That's gotcha. just that's my that's my preference. I don't so, know what it is about these old timey crimes. I just find it fucking fascinating. Fascinating, yeah. Love it. All right, All right. Cut. sorry. That's okay. So the dude was born nineteen oh nine, July twenty fourth, in Stamford, Lincolnshire. However, him and his family moved to Outwood, West Yorkshire, where John would spend the next 24 years of his life. Mm -hmm. The household that he grew up in was extremely religious and references to the Lord were extremely often so that John was always reminded that he was always being watched by a higher and disapproving power. Mm. Yeah. As a a person with a lot of that influence growing up that kind of fucks you up a lot when you're a kid yeah yeah because anytime you do something bad you're like god yeah (laughs) he sees me when i'm sleeping it's very not it's very not good yeah no no and it's it kind of prevents you from being a kid you know it prevents you from being yes it prevents you from being a kid in that you then start carrying around a lot of guilt for just being a normal kid. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. Therapy, here you come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You Uh, might need therapy if. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Haig had a very lonely childhood. The only friends that he had were his pets and the neighbor's dog, which he cared for. The Haig house was surrounded by a super tall fence um, and his father put it up. They were the opposite of social. Mm. And according to his dad, the world was evil and the family needed to keep themselves separate. So he sounds like a winner, too. I mean, but what's really funny is like we look back and judge on that. And now I'm sitting back going, that sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But and then like, yes, it is. Good nice fences to... make good neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> it is nice to not be not have people up in your face but at the same time that sounds cultish to me mm-hmm. you know? i get it yeah so, no, i get it yeah i know i know john's parents were were part of a religious sect known as the plymouth brethren who were purist and anti-clerical mm. bible stories were the only form of entertainment and participating in sports of any kind was forbidden so couldn't do shit but bible stuff mm. In 1934, John stopped attending his parents' church and married 21-year-old Beatrice Hammer, who he barely knew. Hmm. Even though she was impressed with his manners and his charm, she still wasn't sure what to quite make of him. Mm -hmm. And now reading that, I was like, that was your gut instinct, girl. You need to listen to that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a little thing called intuition. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But... She agreed to marry him anyway on July 6th, 1934. Um, they actually lived with John's parents um, at the beginning of their marriage, but mm-hmm. as quick as it started is as quick as it ended. Um, four months later, John was arrested in October of 1934 and was sent to prison for, for, for fraud. Um, and while mm-hmm. he was incarcerated, Beatrice gave birth to a baby daughter whom she gave up for adoption. Mm. The couple only saw each other one more time. And at that meeting, John lied to her and told her that they weren't actually ever really married because he was already married this whole time. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
you'll come to find that he he tells nothing but lies. He he's the tall tale teller. Yes, teller yes. of tall tales. Exactly, exactly. Haig actually spent a decent amount of time in prison, mainly for fraudulent activities. For a brief period of time, he worked at he worked for an amusement park run by William McSwan and his parents Donald and Amy McSwan. Uh, the family was actually really fond of him. Mm-hmm. He was promoted rather quickly, but he soon left because he wanted to make more money and he found mm-hmm. something that he thought would work. Mm-hmm. His next endeavor was setting up a false solicitor's office. He pretended to be a solicitor named William Cato Adamson with offices in London, Surrey, and Sussex. Mm -hmm. He sold fraudulent stock shares from the estates of his deceased clients at below market rates. Wow. However, he was ultimately caught and he was sentenced to four years in prison. Mm. When he was incarcerated for this offense, this is when he thought up a new scheme to become rich quickly instead of working for it like normal people yeah that plan was to simply go after rich older women so he was looking for a sugar mama Mm. and he also convinced himself at this time that if there was no corpse there'd be no conviction ah no body no crime Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to quote taylor swift Mm. sorry (laughs) just saying that's disgusting yes that's disgusting he began researching the French murderer George Alexander Sarrett, whose signature had been dissolving his victims in sulfuric acid. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I know. Mm. I, I could just, can you just imagine that smell? No. 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 Using his free time, he devised his own method of dissolving bodies in various forms of acid by practicing on mice. Eventually, he found that it took 30 minutes for a small field mouse to dissolve. And from that, he was able to calculate how much acid and time he would need to he would need for a full grown man to dissolve. Use your brilliance for good, not evil. I know. Because I, I can't calculate that. <laughs> no, not like, even a little bit. <laughs> carry the one. Uh, like, Hold on, I got to no, count on my toes, too. Seriously, let me pull out my abacus. <laughs> oh, no. God. <laughs> wow, Charlie. <laughs> I think that's even older than you are. It is. I don't know. I don't even know if I know how to use one of those. I know what they look like, and I mm-hmm. know what they are. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know anything about them. Besides that's that. what they used to call math people bean counters. Oh, well, look at that. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I Y'all get it bean now. counter? Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Oh, it's from Parks and Rec. Yes. When? Yes. Yeah, when? Um, I was just going to say, wait, where's that from? Where's that from? Yes. It was from Parks and Rec. When, um, oh, God, what the hell? Tom was trying to come up with his next entrepreneur, and the guy's like, I came up with an app for your phone it's called the phone bacchus <laughs> isn't that just a calculator uh, oh that show's amazing mm-hmm. all right back to this winner mm-hmm. once he was out of prison john took a job at an engineering firm in the accounting department mm-hmm. soon after he ran into his old friend will mcswan who he worked with and for at the amusement park and will had told Haig 
all about his new venture as a landlord collecting rent from the tenants who stayed in his parents' multiple properties. Hmm. Though he had a well-paying job at the engineering firm, Haig became jealous of McSwan's seemingly lavish lifestyle and the little effort he seemed to put into it. On September 9th, 1944, a few months after bumping into him, Haig lured McSwan to an abandoned basement and hit him over the head with a lead pipe. Just like that. Dang. Just like that. John put Will's body in a 40-gallon drum and then filled it with concentrated sulfuric acid. Oh, I know. So I know. Bad. It's so bad. It is disgusting. Like, just, no. Nope. I don't even want to tell you what I'm picturing and hearing. Mm-mm. Just, No. I, could, I know you guys could only imagine. Mm-mm. Once the body was submerged in the acid, Haig had to step outside for some fresh air due to the fumes that were overwhelming him. Yeah. Because, ew. He eventually went back inside, covered the drum, and went home to sleep while Will's body dissolved. He returned to the basement where he left Will the next day to see that he was nothing more than a hundred or so pounds of sludge which he poured down a manhole. I know. I know. <laughs> As Charlie gags. <laughs> that probably yeah. flowed directly into the Thames River, which is mm-hmm. why which mm-hmm. is why the Thames was like considered a dead river yes. for the longest time because it was nothing but shit and dead bodies dissolved in sulfuric acid. Correct. <gasps> I know. Don't go know. swimming in the Thames. No, don't <laughs> do it. Never, never. never. Not even on a dare. Knowing that he had killed someone and removed all traces of them gave him a feeling of euphoria. What? It's so fucking gross. I know. And upsetting. Like, it's so upsetting. I know. know. Believe me. I know. That's not a way you'd want to. No. Just. No. No, It's. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. It's so upsetting. It is. I agree. John took over Will's landlord duties, collecting rent from tenants, and he even convinced his parents that he had run away to avoid being drafted. Yeah. <laughs> he went so far as sending them face posts. Face? Nope. Does it say Facebook posts? <laughs> no. <laughs> he went so far as sending them fake postcards from Scotland pretending to be Will. Dang. Yeah. The McSwans started to become suspicious when the draft was over and there was still no sign of their son. At that time, John knew it was time that he killed them too. No. <laughs> yes. Good God. Like this is not this is not the answer. This shouldn't be the Mm-mm. way to go. No. Just saying. So before he set out to kill them, he had a few additions to the basement of 79 Gloucester Road. Which, uh, one of the articles, I don't remember which one or, or where it was, they refer to it as the workshop of death. Oh, God. And I thought that that was dark. And I was just like, that whoa. dark. Whoa. But I wanted to share that because I, yeah, yeah, it was that's dark. Mm-hmm. And that's where he had killed their son. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the fumes from the acid and dissolving bodies were overpowering, Haig added a stirrup pump a DIY tin-faced mask, and even a bathtub made of steel that was painted to make it more resistant to corrosion. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Donald and Amy McSwan disappeared on July 2nd, 1945, and they were killed the same way that 
Will was. Hit mm-hmm. over the head with a lead pipe, then dissolved in an acid bath. Haig informed the McSwan's landlady that the couple had gone to America and he actually had all their mail forwarded to him. This, wow. Yeah. This, in, this included Mr. McSwan's pension checks. Mm. And he also forged um, their son Will's signature on a power of attorney form so that he could forge a deed on a property that was owned by them by him so basically so he could take over over all their property as well correct so he did that and he managed to make nearly two thousand pounds which is 2400 american dollars and thirty nine thousand dollars in today's money from selling these properties that, along with securities and sales of possessions, totaled six thousand dollars, seventy two hundred American dollars, and one hundred and nineteen thousand dollars in today's money. But is that amount worth killing people? No, because I say no. No, absolutely I mean, not. There's no amount worth killing people. But I'm just saying, like, for what he pulled and all right. that he had to do to jump through all of these correct hoops to net just over a hundred k correct and like, he he could have made that if he just stayed at the accounting firm legit like all that for that doesn't he, seem to make much nope. sense to me nope but he was lazy he didn't want to work he just wanted the money to be he was lazy right but think there. of all the hard work he had I to know. do to do all this you know what I'm saying? I know. No, no no i mean obviously you know you're a yeah. logical human being but i'm just saying like i don't understand i don't understand i i wish i had an explanation for you <laughs> but i don't <laughs> but i don't um Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. So at this time, this is when he moved into the Onslow Court Hotel in Kensington. Okay. Being the fraudster that he was, he continued to swindle people through a variety of scams, including posing as a liaison officer, dealing with patents, and setting up fake branches in several towns. John's funds that he got from killing the McSwans was starting to run out and fast. He knew it was time for him to find new victims instead of, you know, getting a job. Oh, God. This time he chose a worldly couple, Dr. Archibald Henderson, who was 52, and his wife, Rose, 41, who were selling their home. So he pretended to have an interest in said home, and he also continued to bond with them over their shared passion of music. They liked him so much that they invited him over to their new flat for him to play piano at their housewarming party. Yeah. While he was at the party, Haig stole Archibald's 38 caliber Webley revolver so that he could use it to kill him and his wife later. Wow. Mm -hmm. John decided that he needed a bigger space to commit his crimes So he rented a small workshop at 2 Leopold Road in Crowley, Sussex, and moved the acid drums there from uh, Gloucester Road. On February 12th, 1948, he drove Archibald, Archibald, that's a Archie. I'm going to call him Archie (laughs) because that's, there you go, that works. That's a mouthful. He drove Archie to his workshop on the pretext of showing him something that he had invented. When they arrived, Haig shot Henderson in the head with the stolen revolver. 
He then lured Rose, his wife, to the workshop, claiming that her husband had fallen ill and shot her as well. So just like before, Haig dissolved both of their bodies in acid, but this time the bodies did not completely disintegrate. Ooh. Yeah. Mr. Henderson's foot stayed intact, but this didn't bother John, and he dumped the foot along with the other remains in the corner of the yard. He thought he was immune to getting caught. So he didn't try to hide it. He just threw him in the yard. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah, well, I mean, everything this man is doing is dumb. And the whole thing, it all just goes back to him being fucking lazy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. After disposing of the Henderson's bodies, he forged a letter with their signatures and sold all of their possessions for 8,000 pounds which is 11000 in American money, 136000 in today's money. He sold it all except for their car and their dog. He kept both of those. The dog is fine. He didn't, he didn't kill the dog. He didn't acid bath the dog. So gotcha. we're okay. good. Once again, his money was starting to run out due to his gambling addiction and just spending money like it was, he was pulling it out of his ass. So, which I mean, Okay, he wasn't pulling it out of his ass, but he was pulling it out of not thin air. You know what I'm trying to say. Well, the whole thing is, is yeah, because you're not working to replenish it. So you're using all this money now to like live. Correct. And obviously living like probably well above your means. Yep, exactly. So um, running out, but he had met a wealthy elderly woman by the name of Olive Duran Deacon. I love the name Olive. Me too. Me too. And her name just sounds wealthy. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't, you wouldn't have to tell me she was wealthy. I could just tell right. by her last name. Um, She lived at Onslow Court Hotel just like he did. And needless to say, John found his next victim. Jesus. Olive Duran Deacon, 69, was the wealthy widow of solicitor John Duran Deacon. Haig by then was calling himself an engineer and Olive mentioned an idea to him that she had for artificial fingernails. Uh-huh. <laughs> As me and Charlie are like, hey. Oh, look at my manicure. <laughs> Check out my acrylics. Mm-hmm. On February 18th, 1949, he had invited her to the Leopold Road workshop under the pretense that he wanted to hear more about her idea. Once she went inside, John shot her in the back of the neck with the revolver that belonged to Mr. Henderson, stripped her of her valuables, including a Persian lamb coat, and put her into an acid bath. Jesus. Two days later, her best friend Constance Lane reported her missing. Sergeant Lamborn was the policewoman who was assigned to do the interviews at the hotel to try to determine her possible whereabouts. While she was interviewing the manager, they'd offer, they offered a description of Haig and a record of his debts to the hotel. Hmm. She thought it was suspicious that John was a middle-aged man at this hotel among all these wealthy older women. Mm-hmm. So she decided to do a mat She decided to do a background check. Right. Like one of these things is not like the other. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Within an hour, Scotland Yard reported that according to the criminal records office, Haig had been arrested several times for swindling and had spent three separate terms in prison for conspiracy to defraud, forgery, 
obtaining money by false pretenses and theft, he was immediately placed under suspicion. While John- I mean, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. While John was giving interviews to the press, you know, sharing his hope that Mr. and Deacon would be found safe and sound. Mm. The police, led by Horsham detective Pat Heslin, made their way into his warehouse. There mm. they found three 10 gallon glass bottles, one of which was empty, and nearby was a new stirrup pump with a part removed. And from a hook on the door hung a rubber apron stained by mm. chemicals. There was also a pair of rubber boots and rubber gloves. And inside an army bag was a gas mask. Jesus. They found papers relating to someone named Archibald Henderson, Rose Henderson, and three people named McSwan. There was God. Yeah. There was a marriage certificate, several passports, identity cards, and driver's licenses. Deep inside, um, deep inside a hat box lay a 38 caliber revolver and eight rounds of ammunition. The revolver the revolver had been fired recently so they hit the jackpot oh yeah yeah (laughs) they they hit the jackpot Mm -hmm. it was not long before they discovered a cleaner's receipt for a persian lamb coat fuck yep they traced the coat back to the one that had belonged to miss duran deacon and back at the hotel they found a work basket in her room with scraps of material that matched patches on this lamb coat mm-hmm. so he was arrested <laughs> like they yeah. had all this evidence yeah they they got him they got him and the thing that's crazy it's like it's all circumstantial evidence oh yeah yeah but it's like how could you ever question correct you know correct Olive Duran Deacon's body, along with the remains of the Hendersons, were discovered outside the Leopold Road warehouse by investigators. Unlike Haig's previous disposal grounds, the Leopold Road warehouse had no floor drain and no manhole access. Unable to pour the sludge quietly into the sewers. (laughs) Just the words. I know. I can't. I know. I know. Uh, he had been forced to dump them in a pile of rubble behind the warehouse where it was easily uncovered by investigators. Shit. John Haig pleaded insanity. He made, <laughs> I know, <laughs> he made claims of drinking his victim's blood. Stop. Uh... Because he had dreams of demonic forests as a kid. Where the trees were not trees at all. They were crucifixes that were dripping blood. He went on to say that when he was in a car accident in 1944, these demonic dreams returned. But this time, a man went from tree to tree to catch the blood. When the cup was full, he would then approach John in the dream and tell him to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Charlie's face, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Most of the psychologists agreed during his um, psychiatric evaluation that although Haig suffered from mental health issues, he was not insane. Right. Like, no, just no. Right. He had been perfectly aware of his murderous actions mm-hmm. that were extremely planned. 
Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, hey, let me just grab you off the street, kill you, right. walk away. No, it was meticulously planned. Correct. Out all of it. Correct. One psychiatrist believed without any doubt that Haig had a paranoid constitution, mm-hmm. which is the same mental disease that Hitler had. And now, mm. uh huh. Mm. And now, oddly enough, he looks like Hitler. Creepy. Like, he has the the weird mustache mm. and just they look very similar. Very, very similar. Mm. Now, although the acid had destroyed a great deal of evidence, not everything had been eliminated. Small bones, dentures, Mr. Henderson's foot, and a gallbladder were all discovered as the forensic team sifted through tons of mud and sludge. Technicians had to wear rubber gloves and cover their arms in Vaseline to protect themselves from the acid. So... They found the following items. No, okay. <laughs> 28 pounds of human body fat. Oh my God. Three faceted gallstones, part of a left foot that was not eroded, um, 18 fragments of human bone, upper and lower dentures that were still intact, the handle of a red plastic bag, and the lipstick container. Mm. Mm hmm. Despite the forensic evidence, it was Haig's very own sense of invincibility and arrogance that was to be his greatest undoing of finding yeah. him guilty. Yeah. John Haig apparently had believed that no bodies, no crime. Um, it <laughs> I know. I like the way you said it instead of, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna ugh, It's all right. Ugh. It's all right. Uh-huh. It took only minutes for the jury to find him guilty and he was mm. sentenced to death. Yeah. When the judge asked him if he had anything to say for himself, John cocked his head and said, nothing at all. He said nothing at all, in quotes. On August 10th, 1949, John George Haig drank a glass of brandy just before being hanged by executioner Albert Pierre Point. And that is the story of the acid bath murderer. Mm-hmm. that one was upsetting it was upsetting and it was gross but again it wasn't one that i had heard of before so mm, nor i i was like oh shit wow but yeah yeah that was intense yeah yeah and the fact that they kept using the word sludge like i know yeah. i could have changed it but like could have done without that i'm sorry sorry right. I, I just i don't know I, didn't, I honestly didn't think to replace it until I said it six times. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Mm. So, so he was a sicko. Fuck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it goes back to that. Like, just because you're like, have a mental issue that's causing mm-hmm. you to behave this way. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're insane. Correct. I've yeah. always heard it like to, to, basically define whether or not a person is insane is would they have committed the exact same crime if they were standing right next to a police officer right because in their head they believe that what they're doing is the correct course of action right but if there's any indication that you are fully aware that what you're doing is wrong and you're killing people and whatever Mm -hmm. you can't justify it nope um then you know the fact that he lied when the cops first approached him like that just Mm -hmm. goes to show that it wasn't exactly something that you thought was being done you know correct that and he 
he planned out his victims. Yeah. Even if, you know, yeah. Like, just everything that he done and how he did it, <clears throat> nothing mm-hmm. about it isn't planned. It like, wasn't random. Exactly. Right. It wasn't random in any way, shape or form. It was Correct. like you said, the whole, the, the crimes themselves were so fully planned out. And then on top of that, like you said, that his victimology is, was just to benefit him financially. There was Correct. no randomness to it whatsoever. Correct. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for telling the story, Jovi. It's You're definitely welcome. one that I have uh, have not heard before. You're welcome. Oh, good. I'm three for three. Mm-hmm. I'm kicking ass. Knocking them down. Yeah. Setting them up and knocking them down. That's right. That's right. Mm. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much um, for listening to another episode of Bed Crime Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to share that we did get um, a response back from one of our listeners about the homework assignment that we had given Ooh. of telling us about your non-romantic. Um... What's the word I'm looking for? Love. <laughs> uh, Great love. True love. True love. Yes. Your yes. non your Yes. Your platonic true love. And the person that sent it to us said their number one is was is their dog. Mm-hmm. Their number two is their sisters. And their number three is their best friend. Oh, yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing the assignment. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Appreciate mm-hmm. a good uh, a good soldier doing their homework. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, <clears throat> on that note, thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Bed Crime Stories of 2023. Woo-hoo! Here's hoping that uh, we have another wonderful year ahead of us all together. And um, we want to thank all of you for your uh, listening to the episodes and your interactions that you have with us and mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff is is so greatly appreciated. I will tell you, whenever I open up my our bed crime stories email and I see one an email from you guys, I get very very excited. Yes, agreed, agreed. Yes. Or comments on our Instagram or anything like yes. that. Yes, very exciting when when we get interaction from you guys. So it makes our day. It, it sure day. it sure do. Mm-hmm. Please make sure that you find us on social media. We are only on the Instagram. Um, you can find us Bed Crime Stories is our handle on Instagram. If you do have any story suggestions, if you just want to say hi, anything that you want to loop us in on, you can shoot us an email. That's bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, please make sure that you like, rate, review, subscribe, and tell mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, pass along the good news <laughs> good news of great joy the good word the good yeah pass the good word that's pretty much it please make sure that you are kind to one another be the band-aid we want uh we want to try and put the good out in the world you know yes. what I'm saying? we want to manifest good and good manifest things good exactly and good people yeah and don't forget if you ever see a purposefully polluting patty make sure that you you know, harness your inner <laughs> Edgar, the environmental eagle, and mm-hmm. tell them to stop. Or yeah. you're going to peck their eyes out. Yes. So peck away. Know, save the turtles. <laughs> That's it. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> um, all right, guys. I hope that you all have a great evening, day, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to us. We will talk to you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams.
Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.